Good afternoon, morning. I uh, it's two minutes to twelve, so actually, good good afternoon. It is uh, Heart Standard latest morning slash afternoon briefing. Uh, my name is Joel Skett. I'm joined by my colleague James Kearney, and with the team now on the international break, we weren't really sure what we're going to talk about today. And then the financial figures, the the latest accounts for 22-23 were released at five p.m last night so there's i think there's a lot of interest with within the accounts no it's it's something that um the, a lot of fans take a keen interest on and it might not be for for everyone my myself myself included i uh, i i remember doing that uh, accountancy at um uh, at, at higher at school and uh, i didn't even get a grade for it that was such uh, that was how bad i performed at that particular subject but nonetheless, um, I kind of dug deep into the accounts last night for a in-depth piece that's on heartstandard.co.uk just just now. But we thought we would um, we'd, we'd have a wee discussion uh, with, with with James, and obviously this will go out as a podcast as well, so uh, allows people to kind of um, listen to us talk about finances, which uh, which sounds absolutely um, and, um, thrilling, but. Getting into it, uh, I mean, there's there's a few talking points which we'll, we'll go through, but I think the, you could argue what kind of the, the stand the standout headline is, and um, but I would I would suggest it's the record breaking turnover of twenty point eight million pound, which uh, which certainly is something the the club led with when they released the uh, when they released accounts yesterday, and I think it's. Um, We'll kind of come on to talk about aspects of that turnover and, um, for example, the European uh, European f- uh, football. But uh, I think it kind of shows the incredible turnaround since COVID when I believe the the, the, the turnover was... Um, had a drop to seven point six, or just just under seven point seven million pounds. So, uh, in the space of a couple of years, it's it's just shot massively, and it's um, it, it's it's a really impressive figure. No, absolutely. You know, I mean that, like you say, it's almost tripled from that time going back to the COVID season. It's not far off tripling it, and it's just it's a it's a, a sizable amount of money for any Scottish team. You know, I think that I'm, I'm just trying to think of the last time a Scottish team posted figures like that. And again, I'm no financial expert. You know, I'm not um, completely clued up in all this kind of stuff. But I would imagine that there's not many Scottish teams that have brought in that kind of money. I don't um, think there's other than Celtic Rangers. I don't. Of course, I don't think there's. I don't think there's been any uh, any club that's that's posted such uh, such a figure. No, exactly. You know, like, I guess like that's kind of you know that 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 for a, for a club that likes to kind of like pride itself on being the third force in Scotland. Here's a whole bunch of numbers that seem to back that up. You know, again, and I think that obviously part of it's down to. Um, a, a, a big part of it, sorry, it's down to the European football and the qualification for that. That's obviously played a huge point, a huge role because Scottish teams don't really reach the grip stages of European competitions unless they're Celtic Rangers, and even then, it's you know, few and far between sometimes. So, because of that, you know, obviously that was a massive boost to the revenue. I mean, meant that there was all you know, more prize money coming in, there would have been you know, more games on that were going to be full attendances, there's TV money to consider as well. So, all that would have put a really big role, I believe, in sort of, you know, boosting up that turnover. But at the end of the day, it's a, absolutely, it's a big kind of um, 
ceiling, I think, for hearts to break through. And while, and I'm sure we're going to speak about that, but you know, while we're probably not going to see those sorts of numbers again this time next year when the next set of accounts come out, it's certainly um, uh, a kind of a bar's now been set in terms of you know how um, how hearts can perform financially off the park, and now it's got to about doing what they can on the park to make sure they they can repeat that going forward and going into the future because it is a it's a sizable milestone. And now the idea, now it's got to be about, all right, how do we make sure we get that again and again and again? Because particularly in Scotland, where if you can bank, if you can you know, bring in some serious cash a few seasons in a row, the opportunity is there to start to put that little bit of a buffer between yourself and the rest. And obviously that that's what's needed to, to for Hearts to, in the long term, if they're going to really start closing that gap with Celtic and Rangers. Yeah, it's exactly that, and that's it's something around um, again the the European football, which I'll, I'll come on to. We'll come on to talk about um, very shortly, and how important group stage is is trying to trying to bridge that gap because I mean it's a it's an insurmountable gap to uh, to Rangers and Celtic. Mm. Hearts uh, no no Scottish clubs going to ever going to be in position to make that that big a leap. But you can certainly make inroads, and I think that's what some of the club want to do. And Europe was 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 obviously massive, and we'll come to talk about the uh, the, the profit posted. It was um, a six figure profit, just under three hundred grand, uh, down from the previous season, and I, I'd certainly that raised a lot of eyebrows. But we will come to talk about that when we we talk about the benefactors role and some questions going ahead in the in the AGM. But uh, the the club were keen to uh, point out like the the strong commercial perf- uh, performance. I think it was that rose by two point million pound. You looked at like kind of hospitality and sponsorship, which is which is really encouraging, especially in a uh, time where people are kind of cutting their cloth or um, maybe not second guessing what they're they're spending money on. And we saw it with the uh, the kind of the good. Um, the the feel good factor around the European um, the qualification with the investment in or the Hearts fans buying strips and I certainly know it's like well, I went there before we went to the European group stages or so we went to place uh, St Gallen went into the club shop looking for a home uh, home top there um, I, one of the home top or the I think it was the the the, the polka dot away kit or the third kit what was last season um, and they um, basically had sold out of everything in like medium and and large. I, that kind of just showed the demand there for the commercial thing, and then obviously that could be replicated this season because of the um, the like the pink kit that sold so well, the the anniversary kit which sold even better. Yeah. And um, there was obviously obviously done a piece on that uh, on on the site. So yeah, moving into like like you said, a key aspect of the. The the turnover was seven. I think it was seven point three million pounds came in from the, um, the European involvement, and that was the. Let me let me see the uh, get the right get the right amount here. Um, yeah, seven point three nine million compared to the uh, three point one million the previous uh, the previous year. So that was UEFA solidarity and and prize money. That's uh it's a sizable amount, and I know speaking to uh, they mentioned at the AGM last year that they estimated they would be looking at a profit around three million pounds from Europe 
uh, and generating excess of five million pounds of, of revenue. Obviously, that's seven point three million. Other payments came in re- regarding that. It wasn't just prize ones. It was like so, like said uh, solidarity payment. But it just shows you how um, how transformative it could be for a club in Scotland to get into the group stages on a regular basis. Absolutely, <clears throat> you know the <clears throat> like because I, I, I think the. Uh, I know this season, for instance, third place still gets guaranteed group stage football, but I think it's the year after that it's looking incredibly unlikely that's going to happen. So <clears throat> this is a fairly small window at the moment in terms, in, unless um, you know other Scottish teams start really, really getting their act together in Europe this season, which seems unlikely. Um, so it, it does put mean that this season, in particular, getting third is really, really important. Because like we you know, like we say, yeah, you get that Europe League playoff. <clears throat> if you win that, brilliant, you know, you're in the Europe League uh, group stages, you can not quite double the figures that you're gonna get in the conference league, but you're gonna get a lot a hell of a lot more. And that you know, it's gonna be really substantial if you can get through that to like a tie. If not, you've obviously got that safety net of the conference league group stages and like we're seeing in these accounts, they are they're massively valuable, you know, they are game changing sums of money to uh to a Scottish side. I mean, you think so? Yeah, if it's a three million pound profit, you know, when's the last time Hearts made three million pounds in profit on a, a player sale? You mm-hmm. know, it doesn't happen very often. You know, that, that's a big game changing sum of money. And you know, if you can get that two, three years in a row, all of a sudden you've got an extra, you know, nine, ten million pounds to pay about with the likes of say Aberdeen and Hibs. Hearts is most likely rivals for third. They don't have that. So you know, it's all about trying to build up that little bit of a cushion again. Because uh, I think there were probably already is I think between Aberdeen, Hibs, and Dundee and um, Aberdeen, Hibs, and Hearts. Sorry, there's probably a bit of a cushion between them and the rest, financially speaking, excluding the old firm. But so I think the next step has to be to try and eat yourselves ahead of Aberdeen. And I think in order to at least of Aberdeen and Hibs, in order to do that, you're going to need a bit more cash, which is why these games are so important. We're seeing it now, you know. And let's just forget as well. If you perform better in the group stages, you get more money. You know, mm. you get more money for getting up more wins or draws or whatever. So, while because so obviously Hearts could have performed better in Europe in the Conference League group stages, they could have potentially got even more money than they did. Um, and it just shows you how valuable it is because when I mean, you look at it's the prize money there as well, but also the TV money. You know, from getting matches that are televised, having for at least games at Tynecastle where it's going to be pretty much sold out. The all these things add up. And uh, like you say as well, there's obviously you know people like yourself going get merchandise before the games and afterwards and there's just a general sort of boost to the club coffers. So what I, I, would, that, I would I would interject there and uh and kind of just yeah yes I agree with it all but uh, as Craig points out on Facebook it was a real kick in the stones I've missed it on third last season vital mm-hmm. achieve it was and there's there's no there's no getting away from it just how how big uh missed opportunity that was with the third place essentially in the club's grasp and then losing it in the in the final kind of couple of months of this the, the season i know from speaking to people at the club it, it's still something that rankles it's still something that it's, it's still something that um it frustrates frustrates the fans because that is that is an opportunity to it's not it's, we've, we've talked about kind of pushing up and trying to bridge the gap to the old firm. Obviously, like it's it's insurmountable that gap, but you can chip away. But on the flip side, it's about putting a lot of distance between hearts and rivals, whether it's Aberdeen, whether it, or whether it's Hibs, messing up and uh, missing out on third place. 
has allowed Aberdeen to uh, to get access to this money that Hearts were thinking. Right, this is this is it. and they said it in the and the, the club said it in the the accounts there uh, and Budge's note, and they had they had plans for finishing. Th- the aim was to finish third back to back seasons, and it really is a, a frustration because it should also be noted that the the profit. If Hearts got into Europe this season, if they finished, if we finished third last season, got into uh, European group stages this season, they uh, the club would have made an even bigger profit. Why? Because they had to invest substantial amounts last season and bring in like Tynecastle up to standard. There was yeah. a lot of there was a lot of costs, which I, I think the probably the club were a wee bit taken aback by in terms of the cost that they had to um, what they had to spend. To um, uh, to kind of participate in Europe, but that money you could almost see it as an investment. Okay, we've paid for it this year. We won't, won't really have we won't have the same outgoings the following year, and then you've got your your, your profit margin becomes bigger again. It's um, don't like keep, keep bringing it back, but as it's uh, it, there's there's that it's it's a massively missed opportunity that was to to really capitalise on the uh, the, the financial. Um, the financial benefits that were there. No, definitely, and you know, and just one other thing as well about you know the kind of the race for a third, what it's been this season, what it was last season. Like, I think it's important to remember that because there is so much on the line uh, for getting third, we're seeing particularly at Hibs and Aberdeen that you know they're they're quite happy to burn through managers and roll that dice in order to try and see if they can get up to third. It worked for Aberdeen last season with Barry Robson, but obviously they had Jim Goodwin before that, Stephen Glass before that over at Hibs. There's been no Nick Nick Montgomery's in now. There's also been Lee Johnson, Sean Maloney, Jack Ross. Like, you know, these clubs have been burning through managers because it's very much a case of third or bust. And I think, you know, Hearts. You could even say Hearts last season fell into that category as well. But as soon as it became apparent that third was looking unlikely, Robbie Nielsen was replaced by Stephen Naismith. And you know, again, Aberdeen did a similar thing with getting rid of Goodwin, bringing in Barry Robson because does, getting third, it, because getting third is worth that gamble. You know, it's yeah, worth it's, it. you know, if it if it pays off, great. You've you've won an extra three four million pound. If it doesn't, all right, well you're you're where you were anyway. And like we said, that's equivalent to selling your best player that summer. You know, yeah, it does. It, it does. It does add pressure. It puts pressure on and the importance of of finishing third and. Um, again, this is there's been a lot of um, kind of talk about uh, Naismith, but yeah, there's there's pressure on Naismith. But at the moment, you look at it, still Hearts are in a relatively good position, as good a position as they, they could have been. Absolutely not. There's uh, if the first um, round of fixtures were better and the Hearts played to expectation, Hearts would be well out in front in, in, in third place already and looking very, very handsome. Again, that comes on to the second lot of fixtures and we've spoke, spoke, we spoke about a number of times of how important this is. Mm. So we, we've touched on, kind of touched on the, we've touched on the commercial success, the ticket success, because uh, Hearts have had um, uh, the, the gate receipts, the gate receipts, um, Grew by a million pounds again, helped by having four uh, European games at home. The domestic ticket, season ticket sales were were really impressive. Again, mm. this season uh, sold fifteen and a half thousand. There was a lengthy waiting list as well. Now, on the flip side, there was a significant increase in staff costs. Uh, they uh, rose by over four million to fifteen million pounds, uh, which includes 
players player wages there was a real investment in all areas of the football department and the b team they continued they're, they're continuing uh, playing in the uh, lowland league and uh, the investment in the women's team uh, investment in the academy fortunately they, the the, the counts kind of don't break down to where each of the money goes how much goes to the women's team how much to the b team how much into the first team uh wages so that's that kind of all speculation but you can see it in the staff numbers there's a there's a jump in full-time uh, staff both in uh, administration and the playing and support staff and then there was a jump in um, part-time match day staff as well so there was a, there was a, a significant investment a significant in- increase could be a, a, an argument that the, the the club for that increase especially in the playing side didn't get value for money this season again going back to the fact that didn't get into uh, into third place and then been a s- slow start to this season yeah, that's probably a factor. There's, there's probably a good argument to be made about that. Um, I, I guess one thing that's important to note, though, is about, about when you look at the rise of the staff costs and wages, is that that will almost certainly include performance-related bonuses. So yep. players, for instance, who, you know, a lot of them, I'd imagine, at Hearts have got bonus clauses in their contract that say if you finish third, you're going to get X amount of pounds. If you qualify for the group stages of the Europa Conference League, you'll get this as well. So I'd imagine that probably makes up a pretty hefty chunk of that yep. rank as well. But like you say, right now, as a club, Hearts has its fingers in a lot of pies. Yeah, like you say, there's there's the senior team, there's the academy, there's the B team, there's the women's team, and you know all of them do require investment. And I, I take the point where you have maybe for that level of investment, obviously it's gone up significantly. You'd maybe you maybe you would expect a little bit more but um i guess part of it probably comes down to the fact as well that we see these days that hearts are operating in more kind of international markets as well so uh obviously the uh, the upside of that is you're signing players potentially on uh, who have quite good value for money in terms of wages maybe you know someone like for instance kenneth vargas i can't imagine he was on a fortune over in costa rica for instance but then the, other, the flip side of that, as well, of course, is the scouting costs of scouting players from all these uh, places all over the world. And also just the cost of getting the, that, that paperwork getting done as well, because they need things like work permits, they need things, uh, you know, certain like legal checks and balances have to be made. And again, all, that all costs money. So I think part of it is to do, probably to do with uh, Hearts kind of increasing their scope in terms of their scouting range and things like that. But um, and yeah, I'd say another factor is definitely going to be performance related bonuses. But I do think that you're right. I think that, that that underlying point of for such a significant increase, you'd probably expect a, a noticeable rise in quality in the first mm. team. And I think certainly so far, we've probably not seen that. The and the, 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 the area that was surprised about was the um, was the the. In the counts was the payment to acquire player registration, so I the sign on players. Mm. Uh, it was eight hundred forty-five thousand pound, and that, that you, you look at. Um, I'm guessing that includes because it was 22, 23 accounts. That includes like Shanklin, George Grant, Kai Rose, Orestes Kiermazoglu, who was left out of um, who was left out of a uh, mention in the strategic report. Alex Cochran, you had order. Uh, there was Xander Clark and Alan Forrest were signed on um, on deals after the contracts expired with St. Johnson Livingston, and then James Hill, Garan Kilt, and Stephen Humphreys were brought in on loan. And it's because there was a lot of 
There was a lot of talk around how much Shanklin costs. Reports that it was half a million pound. That's something that Joe Savage, just, uh, in an interview with Heart Standards, uh, said it was a lot less. George Grant, he was uh, like Grant uh, Rose, Kim Zogli, Cochrane, all the all cost all cost fees. So it, it, it's probably surprised me that I thought it was going to be um, a more sizable outlay in, in, in player registrations. Instead of the eight hundred forty thousand, eight hundred forty-five thousand pound, which again you kind of contradict myself in in hindsight, that looks like relatively decent value for money considering the players that you take into uh, take into account who were within that um, uh, kind of within that fee. Lauren Shankland, I think everyone would look back and would have been happy for eight hundred forty-five thousand pound to be spent on him alone. No, exactly. That's it. I mean, you know, when you say that, when you look at that, you, that's the first thing that popped into my head was going, well, if you get Shankland alone for just that, you've done all right. So, um, no, yeah, I think, yeah, certainly, obviously, that Shankland deal, you know, if it's less than half a million, then that's an excellent bit of business. But then you, but you look at the other players that have come in this, that Hearts have spent transfer fees on, you know, the likes of, yeah, like you say, Oda. Um, basically, pretty much all of them, apart from Kjortmar Zoglu, where you look at them and you go, God, they've made a first team impact, or their first team players, and they've mm. still got room to develop or they still certainly got something to offer the squad so I think when you put it like that yeah in, ter- in terms of like transfer fees or transfer outlay it probably does represent quite good business but then the flip side of it as we said earlier was that their wages we would assume are probably relatively high and um, based on what we're going off by and we're not we're not forensic accountants ourselves so I would I would say I would say the likes of uh, Shank, probably like Shanklin and Cochrane might be uh, Grant decent wages I would, I would imagine uh, players coming from um, I think Japan and uh, Australia are probably not low cost but I think you can get them for uh, less than you'd perhaps play, pay if you're bringing someone up from 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 England um, yeah Kim Zoglu, obviously, he's been sold on. I don't think it, uh, it won't account for it in this set of accounts that he, uh, Hearts recouped a six-figure fee. Hearts brought in, like, noted that it was three hundred and um, where it's three hundred seventy thousand pound gain on player sales in the accounts. And again, this is something that the club are keen to improve on is player trading. I think every club wants to be a uh, um, an effective player trader. They, they can bring players in improve them, sell them on, or bring through players from the academy and sell them on for sizable uh, significant fees. Across a couple of articles this week, I've made note of that in terms of the academy, that Arid Hickey was the last one that sold for big money. But again, there was uh, there was aspects of that deal where Hearts didn't get probably the amount of money that they would have liked for a player of his quality. And then you have to go back to, I think it was 2011 for Lee Wallace, for the last player to be, uh, Hearts player to be actually get a, a seven-figure fee that, Hearts themselves uh, got that, and then you, you look you, uh, speaking to Joe Savage. It's, he 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 admitted it's one area that the club need to improve on. He's, he, there's quotes in the piece on Heart Standard where they they've had offers, they got offers for players in the in the summer, but n- no offer was what they expected off a player because it's all well and good saying yes, we'll uh, we'll take X amount for Y player, but then you have to then replace. Mm. Said play, uh, said player as well, and then Hearts need to make sure that they get good money for that player, and then it allows them to reinvest in a replacement. Oh, absolutely! You know, because I mean, you look at the squad right now, and you think, you know, who could you see big offers coming in for? You know, 
the obvious one is Shankland, but I'm also pretty sure that most Hearts fans would rather keep Shankland and turn down the money unless it got silly, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I think this is I think this is a, this is a good point in that it's it's fine player trading, but like uh, fans might go right. We need to we need to sell more players, but then you could sell more players, and then he'd easily fans could turn around and accuse the club of not of lacking ambition. It's like oh, you're just uh, you're just selling the best players. You want to keep the best players, so I think certainly think that fits for Shanklin. Is that if you if you sold them, that's I think the optics on that one wouldn't look great, and you would have fans kind of um, questioning it. No, I think you're right, but I, I mean, I, I guess the point I was making was that I think when you look through the squad just now, I mean, there's a lot of players who are kind of um, in their late twenties or approaching thirty. The odds of you know big money relatively big money bids coming in for them are probably fairly low you would think and then and then after that you look at the guys like um you know Oda maybe Cochrane um some of them you know Rose probably falls in his category probably Nathaniel Atkinson as well but they're guys where you know giving them a, give them a couple of years and you know, these are the kind of guys you could sell on for a profit you could absolutely see that but Again, they need a wee bit more time to develop because some of them have only just got here, some of them are still getting there. So I think that they're when we talk about yeah, a player trading model, and yes, you obviously want to see that. You want the club to be making money, you know, and um, you know, making really making the most of the transfer market that it can. But I think again, it's like that thing of it well when we start getting specific about it, being like, okay, well, who's who do we actually think should be getting sold for a profit here, or who should we who it is should be moving on? And I don't think there is um too many players in the squad at the moment where Hearts fans would go, ah, oh, you know yeah, if the money came in, he can he can go. Or your players are likely to attract kind of big money bids. I don't know if there's that many that would actually be worth it at the moment. Again, because of that cost of trying to find a replacement and the time it takes for them to bed in and all the rest of it. Yeah, so the, 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 one, the one I think everyone had high hopes for after the World Cup was Kai Rose. And mm, yeah. the club acted quickly to... The club acted quickly to get him on a, a long-term contract, and then straight away, I think that's a very, very smart move because you're looking at the January window coming up and thinking he could, because of his performances for Australia, he looked really comfortable on that stage. He came up yeah. with some, against some big players. He didn't look out of place. You're thinking, right, there's we're going to get a big offer from. He's regressed the second half of the season, but again, I think we started to see his qualities in the last certainly last few weeks, he's looked a lot more stronger. He's built up a really good relationship with Kent. And then you look at, um, I think Alex Alex Cochran is one with uh, yeah. promise. But again, he's at times he's maybe just uh, not stagnated, but not kicked on when you, you thought he, he would again not help by injuries. And then I think that's the, the hope is that the players like Vargas to be signed on a long term uh, deal and older. You look at them as potentially be moving um, potentially if they settle as. Types of players that clubs maybe down south or around Europe would be interested in, and then yeah. the big thing is we've talked about before the, the the academy, the need for that pathway to start producing more and more players, and it's something that the club made changes and they're looking to push that through. Big reason Stephen Aceves was seen as a viable candidate for the uh, long term position as head coach was of his connection with the, the the academy and the B team to to, to increase that pathway. Uh, I, I suppose. Just looking at time, it's um, best going on to again one of the one of the, the the key headlines as always in the Hearts account, and that's the role of the benefactors, and mm. uh, that includes the Foundation of Hearts. Foundation of Hearts, they it was an increased of 
140,000 maybe. Uh, so it's, I think the investment from the Foundation of Hearts was one, or the donation from Foundation of Hearts, the club's majority shareholder, is, uh, was around 1.6 million. And then you had the principal benefactor, which was uh, James Anderson, who um, donated, whereas um, uh, well, so it was 4.54 million from other benefactors mm. with 1.627 million from Foundation of Hearts. A large part of that 4.54 was from uh, James Anderson, who is the club's principal benefactor. Now, it's, it's something that, has a lot of intrigue both within the hearts fan, within hearts fans and for people who are not hearts fans and looking at accounts and seeing hearts post a profit of 298,000 but then they see that the, <clears throat> that includes 4 million pound from uh, or 4.5 million pound from benefactors understandably I've spoken to a few a few pals few hearts fans um about it and there's there's understandably a wee bit of concern just like if it wasn't for the benefactor's money we'd be posting a large loss despite a significant uptick in um turnover and it's maybe not they i think they understand the the premise of uh the benefactors the, the fact that hearts very much project for it they know that mm-hmm. money's coming in so they plan for it it's more their their query is what's the long-term strategy and once the benefactor maybe if if he decides to not donate money to the club what happens then and i think the answer is as simple as the hearts would just cut their cloth accordingly so it's it is a balanced act with trying to a concern from fans is wanting to be self-sustainable uh so it would and the fact that with all this money coming in they would like to be more successful now to uh, before they're maybe having to um, having to c- uh, cut back, but yeah, the, I think the bottom line is Hearts know this money's coming in. It says in the accounts that they have got the support of uh, uh, the principal benefactor through until September 2024. So again, you'll see in the accounts next year that no doubt that there will be another donation from the benefactor, and there is a strong relationship there. James Anderson is is on the board of directors at, at, at Hearts, so it's a uh, that there is that that strong relationship, and certainly short term, it's I don't think it's anything to be anything to be concerned about. No, I think you're right. I think you spit for the reasons you spelled out there. I mean, <clears throat> I do understand the concerns about, um, you know, in the long term. Yes, that's something you probably wouldn't want. But again, like you say, there were certain investments made or certain you know um, players signed or whatever it might be that are done in mind with knowing that this this uh, investment is coming in, this donation's coming in. So, I, but I do, I, I do kind of take the wider point. Of, you know, you know, Hearts can't rely on that money forever. You know, James Anderson's not going to be around forever. You know, he's going to, you know, um, one, eventually he won't be putting money in and at some point the Hearts are going to have to be able to plug that gap themselves. But you'd like to think they'll be able to do that. And like you say, if, if, the, if, it did, if something did happen and for whatever reason, that um, kind of process ended rather abruptly. Then, at that point, like you say, yeah, there's cost cutting that can be done. But I think, like you know, obviously, Hearts fans don't need lectures, lectures from anybody about the importance of financial sustainability and all that kind of stuff. You know, like the Hearts fans absolutely know about all this stuff. They know the importance of, you know, um, not <laughs> you know, living within your means, shall we say? You know, so again, yeah, like I think that 
that is obviously a really important thing for fans and it's understandably a massive thing but like you say I, while long term you'd like to see that number go down and down year on year i think in the short term it's nothing like you say it's nothing to be concerned about but yeah long term something to worth keeping an eye on yeah, yeah I, I, like it's, it's one of those where I, I can completely see, uh, I can completely understand uh, maybe some unease or concerns, but it's be noted that like, the, uh, the partnership with uh, the benefactors, uh, it, it means that Hearts continue to carry MND Scotland on the front of their, mm. uh, on, on the front of the, as a front of shirts uh, sponsor. So they're not going down the commercial route of um, trying to get a front shirt sponsor. So there's there's that kind of income that get yeah. balances off. And uh, Jane Anderson has, I think, a lot of the investment has gone into maybe not particularly the first team. It's gone into different areas of uh, of the first the men's first team squad. It's gone into different areas of, of the club, and it's it, it's one where the I maybe I'm naive, but I kind of just view it as that is part of the the, the club's income, and that. Why would you turn down a, a benefactor's money? And that? Oh, no, of course, if someone's offering off you money, of course you take it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's just that thing of you know, like obviously, I hope he's absolutely fine. But you know, for all we know, James Anderson could get you know hit by a bus tomorrow, and then these guys, his family said they don't want to put money in anymore. You know, something like that. Can, these things can happen. You know, like look at obviously it's, it's a different situation, but you look at something like Gretna, where obviously Brooks Melson got unwell very quickly, and his family didn't want to put any more money in after that, and you know. Obviously, it ends up with disastrous consequences for them. Now, obviously, that's not the same as what would happen at Hearts, but it's that thing of, you know, life gets in the way, you don't know what's going to happen, and it's nice to have a little bit of insurance, I think, just in case. Yeah, and I mean, the um, I, I, I'm very much, this is something that will no doubt be asked off the Hearts board when uh, when the, the AGM comes around, that there will be... Um, there'll be strategy in place to deal with uh, deal with that when that uh, potentially happens is that the, the money's the money's not there they've obviously got the um the foundation of hearts as a continued presence yeah. in the background of the that finance and they've shown that the fact that the club has shown that we're able to the the club like to increase that turnover that to get twenty million pound in without like any benefactors investment is is really really impressive. So it should be encouraging, uh, to, um, going forward, and that will include the the likes of the hotel. And this is something that just if if it kind of finish on the kind of questions or topics are likely to be raised at the AGM. So yeah, no doubt the role of benefactors, but also the the hotel. It's it's hard to see how much has been invested in that just yet with the counts, and that's meant to be completed in the um, like the second, second half, half of 23 24. 23 24. So we'll probably get a better idea in 12 months' time, but that is one of the kind of the last investment in the main stand, and that's one of the kind of key revenue drivers is for the rest. Um, so for we've also got, still got the uh, Skyline restaurant there, but the hotel, I think it was 25 rooms, and I think it was. Uh, it was either four or six uh, conference rooms, not got it to my hand, but that was something that the club did uh, mention in the um, <clears throat> in the in the strategic report. Just that they are um, the yeah, twenty five rooms, uh, the, the hospitality hospitality venue, and it's going to be a kind of four star hotel, and it's the hope that that will continue to generate money going forward, and no doubt that will be something that the, the um, they'll be asked off the uh, asked off the board at the AGM. Yeah, surely. I mean, the, you know, the, the hotel has obviously been a big talking point for a while now. Um, but I think that, you know, it, it, 
again, I'm not a businessman, but it seems like a pretty commercially savvy thing to do. Obviously, Tyne Castle's location is, you know, obviously attractive for things like that. Obviously, Edinburgh's have got a massive tourist industry. You know, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it seems like a sensible move to me. Obviously, it's what, something that's maybe taken a wee bit longer than um, the supporters were maybe first expecting. But like you say, it's something that will definitely get mentioned. Um, and as and as I'm sure as well, so will the um, the point of benefactors. You know, that will get raised at the AGM as well. But um, I, I think that, you know, doing the, the things like the hotel or just increasing the kind of commercial operations or, you know, being able to use Tyne Castle to host like business events and things like that. I just think that's part of being a modern football club these days. And again, you know, big part of it is just the location of Tyne Castle itself. You know, it's, it's a great part of town. It's very easy to, to get to, you know, it's going to be, it's, again, it's quite near the city centre, that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, you do see this like clubs all across Scotland at the moment are doing this or trying to bring in more, um, they're trying to use their stadiums more during the week to hold these kind of conferences and events in order to bring out bring in a wee bit of extra revenue. And again, it seems like a sensible thing to do, particularly for a team located in the capital where exactly where Tynecastle is within Edinburgh. I just think it, to me, it seems to make a lot of sense. It seems like, it seems like another rev, another bit of revenue that can get added in. And like I say, it's just it's part of like modern day football these days. You know, that's just like part of the game now as well as like doing this stuff and making sure that you're making the most of your assets, you know, and you know, the six days a week when there isn't any football on. Perfect. Yeah, we'll leave it there. We've waffled along, uh, waffled, uh, waffled on for long enough. Uh, we will um, be back on Friday with another briefing. We'll probably reach out to yourself, the listeners, the subscribers, the readers, to ask, uh, to get questions in, to do a Q&A. Uh, there's plenty of stuff on heartstandard.co.uk that's uh, gone up or going up, gone up. There's uh, a more detailed piece on the Hearts accounts. I looked into it last night, wrote that. There's um, an analysis, there's a piece on Aidan Denham that uh, James wrote, and also an exclusive interview with... Um, the exclusive review with uh, Lewis Nielsen uh, that James said uh, James did that's gone up just now. That will uh, really interesting, really interesting. Reed looks at his 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 decision to go on loan, his um, game time last season, and also talks about his development as a, as a player, what type of player he is, what type of player that Chris Doolan wants him to be at Thistle. Really interesting read. And then later on in the week we'll have. Um, Another uh, interview with uh, another exclusive interview. Uh, don't want to give uh, away any names, but it'll be. I think it's an interesting one. Uh, a former Hearts player who maybe didn't play for uh, the first team officially, but it was. Uh, he's certainly got a lot of um, intrigue around him. Or certainly had a lot of intrigue around him. And there'll be a piece going up about the Tyne Castle main stand, the old main stand. Uh, hopefully tomorrow, if that gets sorted. But in the meantime, uh, yeah, get across the Hearts standard.co.uk. You can subscribe for one pound, uh, or six months for one pound, or twelve months for twelve pound. And um, any questions, just be sure to catch us on social media, and we'll try and answer the best we can. In the meantime, thank you very much, James, and thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye bye.